Coming up on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, 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 Space. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener, and welcome to episode 157 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is Chris. How you doing? Uh, This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to tackle one of the big cult classic fun time movie shows from the 80s, uh, 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I think the title sums everything up right there succinctly. You know what you're getting when you watch this movie, uh, even though they spell clowns with a K. Well, especially because they spell clowns with a K. This one pretty much takes the tropes of the 50s B-movie and really just thumbs its nose. It just turns everything inside out, and it's just entirely self-aware of what it is, and it's just fun as hell. Uh, A little interesting take today, because Brian had never seen this one before. He's gone 30-some-odd years without ever seeing Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and that is a shame, and I'm going to rectify that today for you kids. Uh, So we're going to get his take on it. Eric, of course, will have his usually funny, irreverent, numbskullery take on it as well, and then we'll end up talking about the tremendously fun theme song by the Dickies. So yeah, a whole kit and caboodle of fun today that's uh, cram-packed of all kinds of stuff, like a clown car, if you will. I'll honk the horn, eat the cotton candy, and you know, if you've got chlorophobia, i.e. a fear of clowns, then uh, steer clear. But uh, otherwise, enjoy the show. Thanks for stopping by. If you like what you hear, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. Or you can head on over to our social media feeds. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. So look out for us there. Uh, Share our pages, whatever, follow along. And then, you know, head on over to wherever you're catching podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, blah, blah, blah. You're listening now, so you obviously found it, and we thank you for that. But, you know, share us around, tell your friends and family. And then lastly, head on over to our website. That's right, a website in this modern era, www.maghuge.com. That's where we've got links and shows and things. So thanks for stopping by. We hope you enjoyed the show. Get on with it then, why don't you? Welcome. Hi. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. This is Chris. Introduce yourselves. This is Eric. Hi, Chris. Hi, Eric. I'm Brian. I'm Brian. Welcome to the program, uh, everybody. Uh, You know, it's a good time. This is... (laughs) You got some chill vibes going today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's all the weed I've been smoking. Because uh, it's <laughs> that would explain yeah. this week's. Topic. I mean oregano. Uh, I mean yeah. oregano. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allegedly yeah. oregano. No, I thought uh, yeah. since we're heading into Halloween, and for those listening le- later, uh, then it's not Halloween, but you can still play along. Uh, but <laughs> you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's a fun, fun show, and uh, I am shocked that Brian has never seen this one either. This is like our theme from this year. Is movies Brian yeah. should have seen decades ago and didn't, and so I feel yeah, like no reason he should have seen this. Are you kidding? <laughs> what are you talking about? How di- well, we can get into it. I feel like I, f- I feel like there's going to be a brawl of, of sorts. Uh, 
So yeah. But if if you don't want to do that right now, uh, do you want to talk about other stuff like the fresh shit? This shit is fresh. Because energy, I feel it today. I feel it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Slapping, slapping my face, slapping my face. <laughs> Pretty sure we just woke yeah, Eric up. Yeah, I was gonna say, here, let, let Eric go first since he obviously just woke up. So this is funny <laughs> because uh, uh, my fresh shit. I uh, last night I I finally saw Judy and uh, uh, the, the 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 biopic of Judy Garland. And oh, with the uh, with to Judy Tenuta. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, or and, Judy and this is. This is a very Judy kind of thing, showing up late for the show, being, you know, <laughs> kind of sideways. Here, I'm going to yeah. fall off the stage. What? Um, That's the one with, uh, what's her name? Scrooge Face. Uh, Zellweger, right? Yeah. Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Okay. Um, Who's like, I would like an Oscar now. Yeah. She did a good job. At the same time, I can think of a lot of, uh, you know, other actors. Well, that's the thing, actually. I, I say... Other middle age actresses or, or, or older who could have played the part, but Judy Garland was only forty seven when she died, and she she looked much much older. So, ouch. Maybe well, maybe the casting's okay. Maybe that's you know the boozing and the drinking. It's why uh, eighteen and year olds bulimia. in nineteen yeah. Well, it's why eighteen year olds in nineteen fifty six look like they were seventy two. I mean, it's you know they. They go into how uh, the studio fed her pills for everything and basically gave her an eating disorder, and it's yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, you 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 get the right impression of Judy Garland. But what I like about the movie is that it isn't. I don't really like biopics, but mm-hmm. they don't sort of show you their entire life. It's not. You know that's 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 not important, and you gloss over everything. Instead, it's just like the last set of shows she did in London, bef- like like six months before she died, she got a job in London singing in, in a theater, and it's just oh, that. so this is just the low end, yeah, of 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 her biography, right? With flashbacks to you know, other points in her life that are important, but it's really just the, the, the bottom and <laughs> it worked. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like you, huh. like you say, bio, like, how does it rate to something like, Oh, I don't know. Walk hard, which is to me the best biopic ever made. Well, all biopics. I forget. I mean, I will forget this one too. I, I, I can't think of, cause I also, it's funny, other biopic, I, I, this week I watched Cromwell, the, the movie about Oliver Cromwell from 1970 with, uh, Richard Harris. Okay. I won't, I won't remember that either. I remember no biopics cause they're all the same. <laughs> Were there a lot of Irish people in Cromwell? No, actually there's just about none. Really? They all, that's they like all his... spoke okay. very British. Yes. Nice. Oh yeah, Cromwell's crimes against Ireland are are replete. Yes, <laughs> yeah, interesting. They they interesting. sort of gloss over that and just show how this nice Protestant guy finally overthrew that dopey king and his Catholic wife. Yeah. So not a fan of biopics, but watched two yep. of them this week. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm done. Wow. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
that was swift. Thank you for sharing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what's your next biopic? Let's just do that. I don't know. I think it'll sneak up on me. Okay. I, uh, yeah. Like herpes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> like the show. Surprise, Eric. We're recording. Yeah. Today. There'll be a pop quiz today. Oh, fuck it. God damn it. It's Eric in class every year. <laughs> ah! I did a lot of that. Ah! Yeah. Uh, well, uh, All right. let's make up for it, Brian, with uh, your thousands of things. Then I don't have thousands oh, of things, but it. I do have a okay. handful. Um, so, you know, it's still COVID. There's still not a lot of great choices for movies. So really sort of digging into those things that are on streaming services that uh, haven't seen yet, or at least one of us haven't seen yet in this house. So revisited uh, Inner Space last nice. weekend. That's a very um, hadn't underrated Joe Dante flick. I don't think it gets enough love, honestly. It it doesn't, but I think I understand why, because it starts out as kind of like, okay, here's a modern kind of update on Fantastic Voyage, and we're going to do physical comedy because the, you know... Martin the, Short. The capsules in Martin Short. And then it just goes off the rails goofy <laughs> right That's like the whole point. when they start doing the things where he can manipulate the muscles in his face to make him look like a different person or when they shrink people halfway and it like i mean joe dante should have seen that yeah. coming right because the man is insane i find it very inventive honestly <laughs> but i think <laughs> it's inventive it's just it it all mo- it, all movies you're not will ready suffer. for that level of cartoonishness yeah, all- it kind of takes you by surprise all movies suffer when they switch their tone it's like yeah yeah the first 10 minutes you set up what the tone is going to be and if you decide to to change your mind uh cadillac man great example started off as a comedy Mm -hmm. ended as uh dog day afternoon it's like what 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 did you do why yeah what the hell yeah Yeah. well inner space i mean it's you know you've got martin short so you already know you're getting some goofy and I don't mind the fact that they kind of moved away from the Fantastic Voyage and into sort of like a a Bondish comedy caper almost. Because when when yeah, it's, when, pa- it's just silly. when Robert Picardo shows up as the cowboy, uh, <laughs> he is hilarious. Because <laughs> uh, he's just got that weird accent, but he's wearing all of just the just the dumbest cowboy outfits ever, uh, and. At the time, I didn't know his work. He hadn't quite really done enough. But then now that you look back on his career, he's like, holy shit, that's the guy from Voyager. Yeah. It's so funny. One one thing you really can't escape watching a movie from 87 like this is the hairstyles mm-hmm. and like how much effort goes in. You know, Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan's hair like get double billing in this movie. But like... You know, in your first scene, they're at this, like, fancy dinner, and, and she has this, like, super 80s do. And then we're supposed to see her the next morning, like, sort of doing the walk of shame, sneaking out of Dennis Quaid's apartment. But she clearly, like, took an hour to do her hair in a different hairdo before she snuck As out. So I'm do. not sure. As you do. <laughs> uh, really, the only weak link in that whole movie for me is the fucking Rod Stewart theme song at the end i just want to reach to the screen and punch rod stewart every time that comes on like oh i hate it so much uh but yeah 
Anyway, Inner Space, uh, I think I saw it on HBO Max. Um, it's a good classic film. It's three stars. You know, check it out. It, it mostly holds up. The effects hold up surprisingly well. Practical effects doing the Fantastic Voyage thing. Yeah. And, I think you, you know, they just didn't have digital effects. Well, if you have the budget and you can do the practical effects, then most of the time they'll hold up fairly well. Uh, yeah. Unless you get That's a, that Steven Spielberg producing yeah. thing. Uh, unless you get a, a little too far reaching with your uh, idea, then you kind of run into some trouble. But, uh, but yeah, nowadays everybody yeah. just thinks like, oh, you can just do it CGI, whatever. That's great. And then it still looks like ass. So yeah, I, I mm-hmm. applaud inner space. I, I, it's funny. As you said that, I was thinking how, how, how would you have the budget enough to do a practical effect of shrinking a, uh, a, 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 a craft down to microscopic size and putting it inside of a person. And then I was like, oh, you just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, so, you still got Judy on the brain. Yeah. yeah. You're okay. <laughs> he, he watched Judy. He, he felt depressed. He took a whole lot of sleeping pills and yet he's still with us. So, <laughs> truth. <laughs> okay. So, um, also this week on Netflix they've they've made a limited series out of the podcast Song Exploder. Okay. Um there's there's only like four episodes and I've watched the one on um the song Wait For It from Hamilton. Death doesn't discriminate. Um, they literally which explode is the song. A lot of fun. Oh yeah. You know. Well they I mean they've got all the multi track recordings and they've got the demos and they've got like the thing that you know, when Min Manuel Miranda sang into his phone when he was trying to come up with it, and it's really, it's really breaking down how this song evolved. I thought the most interesting thing uh, Miranda says, and this is really about, you know, Hamilton the play, is, you know, he he characterizes Hamilton as being this guy who just has nothing to lose and just tons and tons of drive, and so Burr is very much the the to make him the opposite. He makes him the guy who has a lot to lose and the guy who uh instead of trying to make stuff happen is you know is waiting for this moment um and he says what's interesting to me now you know Miranda says you know when i'm when i'm writing hamilton i'm very much feeling like hamilton but now i feel like burr cuz i have so much to lose <laughs> 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 which i thought was fun classic anyway song exploders Go ahead. No, this is so, classic. so maybe Nick. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm done. I'm walking away. <laughs> oh. No. Okay. I I just wanted to. Th- I, I I thought maybe next he'll he'll write the Aaron Burr musical finally, and you know it'll have great songs in it. Like I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. And and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he definitely sees himself. I think at this point, like, oh crap, I've kind of done the best thing I'm ever going to do. Oh, that's yeah. brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the wow. problem. If you peak too early, uh, it's but you know. but honest. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people have said that. That he says that. That's amazing. Uh, I don't know that he did. I just got that impression. <laughs> ah. But you know, oh okay. <laughs> but anyway. still, I've heard it's true. No, I don't. know. Some people say yeah. people are saying yeah. a lot of people Have you are heard? saying you can look it up. It's on the internet. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Song Exploder is a good podcast. That I'm gonna go watch the Losing My Religion episode next Ugh, on, on the Netflix. I hate that song so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's where REM lost me. That Out of Time album, Jesus. Mm. When they sold out, <laughs> yeah, but they didn't even sell out. They just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the mandolin brings the whole thing yeah, down. Nobody wants that. Um, nobody. All right, and then finally, another thing I had never seen, which I fired up, I watched the film version of Hedwig and the Angry Itch. Oh, I love that oh, movie. Love Angry it so Itch. much. It's such a good movie. Okay, help me understand it, because I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can totally see the passion, right? I can I can totally see, you know, that this is, this is a, a real... You know, person w- w- who has something, you know, a voice they, that they they want to get something off their chest. And John Cameron Mitchell, I know he didn't write um, all of the play. He wrote the book for the play, but not the music. Right. The guy who wrote the music. But John Cameron Mitchell wrote the screenplay, directed it, and stars in it as Hedvig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's very much sort of a glam rock, Bowie-influenced oh, musical definitely. style about this guy yeah. who just gets fucked over by life over and over. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just um, it's, like, it's almost like a weird cabaret act done as a, a glutzy sort of movie musical. It's just a yeah. weird beast, but I love it so much. I got the DVD... And we whip it out every so often because it's still lots of fun. It's definitely in that Rocky I get Horror the, vein. I get the impression it would be in much more fun live, right? Where you could get that real, like, yeah. raw punk concert energy Didn't, uh, from it. Neil Patrick Harris do Hedwig? Wasn't that one of his mm-hmm. big... Yeah, yeah, he opened it on Broadway. Okay. That's just funny to me. But yeah, this, it's one of those music where the songs just get in your head and you're not sure how or why or when. But my wife and I just... Every now and then, we'll just randomly one of us will go put on some makeup, turn on the eight track. I take that wig down off the shelf. <laughs> we just like do the whole number. It is so strange. But, yeah. Suddenly I'm Miss Midwest Midnight Checkout Queen until I head home and I put myself to bed. Yeah, I thought. Again, thought it was kind of good, not great. Um, it's. I'm glad to have seen it. Now I know what it is, yeah. but it didn't blow me away. Yeah, that's kind of the definition of cult, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I remember, uh, I guess I had come to Austin for a visit with my brother and his wife, and so it was like a lull, and we had nothing to do, and so we rented Hedwig. And they had never seen it before. And, you know, I was all jazzed because I'd already seen it like a couple of times. And I was like, ah, that's great. And uh, my brother was amused by it. But my sister, a lot of the time, she's like, what in the fuck is this? I mean, she just did not know what to expect or where it was going. Well, pretty much anything you would have put on might have gotten that response, <laughs> that's right? That's true. Well, I mean, you know, we made up for it. After that, we watched Bring It On. So I guess it's a, a balance. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I've got this week. Wow. This is a light week for all of us. I had three things. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what do you got? Uh, I have two things. What do you think about that? Uh, I did. 
I followed your recommendation from last week, Brian, and I watched Staged on Hulu. Oh, yes. With David Tennant okay. and Michael Sheen, or David McDonald and Michael Sheen, <laughs> or that fucking, <laughs> that lying that, bastard yeah, that fucking liar, David Tennant <laughs> fucking and liar. Michael Sheen. Uh, it was delightful. All six episodes yeah. in one week. It was a delight. Uh, it's We were talking about, is it like the trip... Uh, with uh, Alan Partridge and etc. It's sort of like that if you mash it with Ricky Gervais in extras, because you get all those weird celebrity cameos that just show up, and they're just playing exaggerated versions of themselves, and uh, and it works. But it's also the perfect COVID show, because it literally shows how different people (laughs) react to this weird lockdown situation that we're all in. It was just funny. But I love that every time they go to Michael Sheen on the Zoom call, he's always looking off to the side very intently and ignoring <laughs> David Tennant completely. In the first episode, he's like, he's just staring off to the side and David Tennant's just trying to figure out what's up. And he's like, are you okay? He's like, and he just looks back at the camera, this really intense look. He's like, the birds. The birds keep coming back. And it's like, and then it becomes like this weird obsession for him. And every episode is like that. He's just got some weird distraction that's off camera. And it's so funny. Oh. And Tenet is a completely like useless yeah. husband yeah. and self self absorbed, you know, nitwit. Yeah. It's yeah. it's quite amusing. But I love that when they are doing the quote unquote rehearsal for the play, uh the, the director starts goading them uh, to do, I can't remember if the director if it was one of the other actors, but just starts making them do famous Shakespearean lines in their own accents, but very over the top. So it's like David Tennant doing this very Scottish, do not go gentle into that good night. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Michael Sheen doing the Welsh, which I can't really do, but they're like very over the top. And then the actor that suggests like, yeah, basically, but all the sniping, the bickering between the two throughout the whole thing. Cause they're just agitated. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It just screams Chris that show. <laughs> it's it's delightful. And it's like that weird thing that only the British seem to be able to pull off that kind of show. Like I was watching it going, there's no way an American production team could do this because first of all like what actors oh, would you get I, I think i think hugh jackman and ryan reynolds could absolutely have done that like yeah you mean those um, two non-americans <laughs> yeah the, oh, the canadian the aussie you're yeah. right never mind <laughs> <laughs> the hypothesis stands yeah so yeah so it was a it's a delight uh it's only six episodes eric you definitely should watch it at some point because it's just fun yeah uh but yeah it's it's amusing to the nth degree <laughs> uh so yeah that was the show and then just been on a i mean it's october now so been on like a halloween movie kick which is usually the only time that i watch horror related stuff so i'm just watching just a crap ton of uh like culty items like uh waxwork Ugh. uh i forgot how shitty that was uh, but I did watch Frankenweenie, which I'd never seen before. That was cool. The feature. The the short or the full the, the length, full length one. one. Okay. Um, and that was amusing. And then after that, watch Paranorman as sort of a uh, companion piece. Uh, but the one I watched I hadn't seen in like 30 years as I went back and watched Phantasm 
from 1979. The Don Coscarelli guy that did Beastmaster and um, the one with the flying orb with the knives. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the tall man who runs the mortuary, which turns out to be some weird gateway to another world. And he steals corpses and makes them into like weird evil Jawa things. And they're the <laughs> ones that actually transport all the crap through the portal to the other world. And this little kid like finds it. It's just this batshit insane, doesn't make a lick of sense movie. But he did it on such a shoestring budget that it just looks phenomenal for what it is. Mm. Uh, the performances are stodgy because, you know, it's not really super professional actors, but it really works. And the soundtrack is just goofy synth music from like 79. But it's just so weird. I, I sense a thread through this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, this this weird fucked up movie where the, like, the kid's like spying on the mortuary and then his brother's watching him because their parents are dead. There's like this whole death motif uh, going on. It's just like, ah, this is just strange, and I don't remember any of it. But it's like, yeah, it's got the floating orbs with the knives that basically just roll through the mortuary and chase you, and then like one gets embedded in some dude's head. That's like the money shot. Uh, and then there was like the kid like sneaks in and gets attacked by these Jawa thingies, and then steals a finger that had gotten severed and keeps it in a box so that he can prove that something weird is going on. And then the thing turns into this, like, like demonic giant fly that they have to, like, kill in the garbage disposal. <laughs> it's like, what in the fuck am I watching? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird cult movie. Uh, apparently lots of people like it, and it's got, like, 80,000 sequels now, which is just astonishing to me. But, yeah, uh, it's, most of which were made by the same people, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of the Velvet Underground uh, first album of horror films. When that True. first album came out, <laughs> not a lot of people bought it, but it inspired the career. It's like everyone who bought it, they say, formed a band. I think yes. every just about everyone who saw the first Hellraiser said, "I can do a cheap horror film," and now they just <laughs> littered the landscape. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely one that uh, kickstarted a lot of the horror stuff that we saw. Especially in the when 80s. they find out about how little it cost. Yeah, yeah. It's like I can do a cheap horror film. Well, Costarelli made it for like three hundred grand, but he had to shoot it over the course of like a year on weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, that, I mean, when you look at the movie, knowing the history of the production, it's just astonishing what he accomplished. But. Uh, yeah, it's just weird, but it set his career, and then he gave us other classics, like I said, like Beastmaster and uh, Bubba Hotep. So he's got some some gems in his catalog, uh, but this is by far the weirdest <laughs> one. So it's, yeah, Phantasm. I have no idea what the, the title means, but okie dokie. Uh, because Killer Flying Silver Ball wasn't... Uh... <laughs> yeah. 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 So... I Again, a thread running through this episode. Yeah. I so, think a phantasm uh, is just another word for a ghost. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I think of the, uh, the Batman cartoon. Uh, what's that one called? With the, the Mask of the, the Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the wow. first thing I think of. Yeah. What's weirder, that, that you're referencing a Batman cartoon, or Brian, that you know which one he means? <laughs> well, it's that's the title. Wild. It's that title. was a big deal one, that one yeah, was. Really? Yeah. At the video store, I remember people went apeshit for that thing. It was strange. Yeah, no, that was, 
That was kind of a a landmark for the DC. The, so they had turned the Batman animated series mm. into basically a movie, and it was good. And that kind of kicked off that whole ongoing to this day series of DC animated movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, so, I, yeah. I can re- I can remember when I was nine saying, "Done with cartoons." So that would probably be why I don't remember what you're talking about <laughs> well it's your loss obviously <laughs> obviously obs uh, obs uh so yeah that's really all i got a bunch of horse shit because uh yeah i was saving myself for killer clowns from outer space yeah let's get to it okay that's the fresh shit fresh goes better Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. I saw this in the theater in 1989 at a dollar theater. No. At a dollar theater. The dollar theater. No, no, it was 89. It was uh, th- because it was the dollar theater. At, uh, yeah, but the movie uh, came out uh, in May. Elliot. Yeah, but I, I, I went. No, I went with <laughs> friends my senior oh, year. Oh, that dollar theater's still there. Nice. Oh, wait. No, no, no. It could have been 88 because senior year would be 88, 89. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I saw it as a senior in high school. Uh, we all went. We were very drunk. Um, we were asked a couple times to quiet down by the management. Uh, as one happens, because people yeah. wanted to enjoy the movie, which I did not believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're watching Mission Impossible like we did 10 years later, drunk yeah. as... <laughs> but I did see it. Yeah. I did see it in the theater. I do remember thinking, why? And... This is my first time watching it since then. Well, uh, I didn't. <laughs> that was the correct reaction. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. I think uh, that same time frame, uh, Brian and I and some other friends decided to go see the Corman remake, Not of This Earth, with uh, right. Because they came out at the same yeah, time with Tracy Lords. They came out with within a few weeks of each other. And I remember we we're like bored looking at the ads in the paper and we're like well look killer clowns from outer space or not of this earth and then we literally argued for like 90 minutes because we're all assholes and we finally said fuck it we'll just go to not of this earth it starts next and that's the one we saw so i didn't see killer clowns from outer space until years later on video uh and i gotta tell you i'm gonna defend it because it's not half bad for what it is I would say it's it, one of the King of the Bee movies, for sure. It really knows what it is, yes. right? So I, I go into this thing pretty cold. I, I, I have never found the whole marketing campaign appealing. It sounded dumb. It sounded mm-hmm. cheesy and bad. So I'm just like, eh, whatever. But boy, okay, first of all, this is a movie about killer clowns from outer space, yeah. and it is as more creative than I could have possibly guessed it would exactly. be. These guys really go to town on what are all of the clown and circus-themed ways that we can have <laughs> clowns kill people. And the concept, important to, to note, the concept is it's aliens come down to Earth to harvest people as food, uh, and they all resemble clowns, and they all use the tropes of a circus like mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, 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 a ship that looks like a circus tent. And the idea being that perhaps one of the, one of the characters kind of cinches this all up for us by saying, <laughs> yeah. maybe this is where all our mythology comes from with circuses and clowns. Yeah. And, you know, mm. it's, it's like 
yeah, yeah, good maybe. You know, that's well, all we need. We don't need a full okay, history. This, yeah. This movie has a script the way a porno has a script. Exactly. Okay, this is, the, the script exists to just give us an excuse for all of these otherwise unrelated scenes well, where it's like, okay, well, what if there was a puppet show about rape that ends with a death ray? Yeah. You know? Well, this is the deal. The guys that made it, uh, three brothers, the last name is Kyoto. Uh, they do a lot of effects work, and that's how they sort of got their name. And they're known for stuff like they did the Large Marge sequence and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, they've done like stuff for Ernest Scared Stupid when they repurposed some stuff. Uh, they did Critters. They even did stuff for Team America. They've gone on to do the like the animated sequence stuff for Elf. Uh, so really, yeah. So they've got like this <laughs> whole massive. <laughs> career in the effects area uh but this one was their only feature film to date uh where they wrote it together produced it directed it uh cast it with a bunch of their friends and (laughs) they it literally started with them just bullshitting one day talking about what's the freakiest thing in the world and then they obviously settled on clowns because yeah clowns are just freaky i'm not personally scared of them but plenty of people are and so it just seems like a given. But then the fact that they decided to do this instead of one of these other like killer clown <laughs> movies like It, uh, I applaud them because they went full <laughs> tilt the other way and just said, well, yeah, clowns are obnoxious and stupid and ridiculous. So let's just do that. And yeah. then they did. A lot of effort went into this. Yes. Like a lot of effort. So, so the, the clowns themselves, they aren't just like people with clown makeup on. No. They have grotesque, giant, strangely shaped, clown-esque monster heads. Yeah. And to some degree, they they move. <laughs> yeah, when it's all practical, like animatronics and latex uh, and that sort of yeah. thing. So it's, but they're, yeah, they're very uh, exaggerated and creepy evil. And it's like if you yeah. if you are legit scared of clowns, then this is not the movie for you because holy right. shit, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I I my note was not completely shit makeup. <laughs> yeah, and that's because they're effects guys. But here's the deal: I think the the budget was like I don't know, almost two million uh, at the time, and most of that was for production oriented stuff. Uh, so like the sets and things, they really, really just chinced on, but they made it all you can, look amazing. You can tell that a lot of that stuff is, you know, my mom's bathroom. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, they're using like but Tinker there's, Toys. There's and matte stuff. paintings. Yeah. There's composited matte painting shots in this thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, wow, this movie has, you know, matte painting yeah. shots. Well, okay. Well, the, I like the, the fact that it's that it's the guy's only directorial feature. Do you think that this was a demo reel for effects and uh, production work? Well, because maybe I've wondered that. Yeah, but because but yeah, well, didn't do the effects. They hired their friends. Yeah. they they were busy directing, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. Ah, so. I think no. I think they just wanted to make a goofy ass movie about clowns <laughs> killing people yeah. with circus themed deaths, and fully succeeded. But uh, yeah, it's just you know the the way they made it is just to me very phenomenal because they didn't have a big budget. They spent it where they needed to. They knew how to chintz on the corners and still make it look amazing. 
and it like you watch it like this there are so many movies from that same era that were made for more money that look so much worse and are worse uh so it's just a weird deal that this one didn't quite make it but i guess if you make a movie called killer clowns from outer space you should just expect <laughs> you're probably looking at a very tight segmented market for that you know what i mean well- Apparently, apparently, you know, when they were making it, they just assumed the name of the movie would be Killer Clowns. Yeah. And what it came to be is, okay, it that is going to only be marketed to the horror movie audience. And honestly, this isn't a movie for the horror movie audience. It, there's like no blood. Yeah. There's no nudity. There's, you know, almost nudity, right? There's TV levels well, of almost nudity. it's PG-13, nudity. yeah. So. And... I don't even know what it's PG thirteen because one guy lets off an f bomb yeah. at one point, you know, which is our our Sergeant Mooney, um, yeah. who just uh, is on the radio and is just getting annoyed with all these people, <laughs> you know, with the clown thing. He goes, "So yeah. fuck you, over." Yeah, that's it. Screw you and your college flunkies. I've had enough of this from you and from everyone else. I know what you guys are trying to do: break me down, drive me out of the force. Well, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than a lame prank like this to get Curtis Mooney to throw in his badge. So fuck you. Over. Well, let's address the cast because it's actually a fairly solid affair for the genre. <laughs> uh, so that's the that to me is yeah. Well, that to me is the the lead actor, the the big name in the whole thing is John Vernon, aka Dean Vernon Wormer from Animal House, and a bevy of other really solid movies uh kind of doing his, his late career stuff but he literally is just the the town sheriff in this college town and he's just an asshole to everybody uh and he doesn't yeah, he hates all the college kids yeah. uh yeah. and then he gets a good comeuppance when he gets turned into a, a literal ventriloquist dummy uh by one of the the clowns but there's him and then you've got grant kramer who we all know from hard bodies as the the guy in that one. Uh, and then you've got Suzanne Snyder, who played Debbie, and she was the girl in Weird Science who ended up with Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, and I guess she had a Scream Queen kind of career. And then you've got the other deputy, John Allen Nelson, uh, who was in Death Stalker 3. So you've got pedigree here, guys. That's what I'm saying. What? That's a pedigree. pedigree. That's, this is where they wound up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the shores well, of mediocrity right here. How dare you, so, sir? Give our, give our douchey lead actor some credit because at one point I actually wrote down, it's like, okay, this guy has to deliver dialogue. And I wrote this, this is more important than selling ice cream. There's clowns running around killing people and he has to sound <laughs> earnest. Tonight, Debbie and I were up, were up on top of the world. And we followed the spaceship, and there was these, there was these clowns, and they was carrying these these cotton candy cocoons, and they were shooting these 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 popcorn guns, and this there's this a circus tent spaceship, right? But it's not there anymore. But we were there. We saw the whole thing. And they say we're crazy. So. Oh come on, you guys! I'm not fooling around. Hey Mike, what do you want us to do? We have ice cream to sell tonight. Paul, this is more important than selling ice cream. There's clowns going around killing people. We're all in danger. Well, yeah, but he's serious. But he's also like walking through the tent thing, the ship, going, "Well, this place looks like it's decorated by clowns are us." It's like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, he sucks. Uh, But but I I gained respect for him by the end because he just has. His whole role is to just spit out this nonsense. Well, the, the, I like the fact that they did do some subtle things, believe it or not. Uh, so the dynamic between him, who his name is Dave Tobacco in the movie, 
uh, and then his girlfriend is Debbie Stone. They basically did a flippy floppy on the normal 50s B-movie trope, so where she's the one who knows what's going on and can figure it out, and he's just like the dumb blonde uh, who's kind of just grasping <laughs> at straws. So they, they have that dynamic rolling. Uh, but then they get him into the the big tent spaceship, and this is after the farmer dies, so basically it's modeled on the blob. The Cromit thing lands, the farmer goes out, gets killed, and then the kids are out at makeup point, and they decide, hey, we need to go check this out. Uh, and then hilarity ensues. Uh, but they're roaming around this ship, and it's just nothing but weird clown shit. And then it's like all of the cotton candy cocoons with all of the victims so far. Yeah, this yeah. this movie does have a serious body count. I mean, for a it's horror like, film, a lot yeah. of people die. It's like, well, you <laughs> if you don't count all of the cocoons that are in the cocoon room, uh, if you just do the bona fide verifiable kills in the movie, I think it's almost like forty deaths total in yeah. this thing for a PG thirteen movie. Yeah. B- and they wrap them up in cotton candy cocoons <laughs> and drink their blood through crazy straws, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like extra super As crazy straws. Yeah, it's crazy. And then they have Straffs. like pop popcorn guns, yeah. uh, that <laughs> that apparently turn you into little baby clown thing snakes. Uh, I think the popcorn itself turns into baby clown thing snakes that then try to eat you. Yeah, well, I love that they get yeah. they get zapped with the popcorn gun as they're leaving, like running away from the ship in the beginning. <laughs> the, the, the guy's like, "Popcorn? Why popcorn? Because they're clowns. That's why." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like when you see the inside of their ship in the foreground, there's like this popcorn popper, you know, snow globe confetti thing yeah. going off. Um, just to make it look like a spaceship, sort of, I guess. Yeah. yeah I, well, I love that they're in the, there. You mentioned, you mentioned the first guy that dies, you know, who, of course, is like the country bumpkin yeah. character from all of these movies. Uh, in, on the Wikipedia, the, the filmmakers said that they wanted to get Soupy Sales to be that guy because he was known for getting pies in the face. No, that was the security and, guard at the end. Oh, was it? The, okay, I thought it was that guy. No, no. Either way, they didn't get him because um, he cost too much and nobody thought that anybody in the audience would know who the hell Soupy yeah. Sales was. Because also, the, the guy who gets hit in the face with the pie, it's an it's it's like a corrosive acid and he melts into yeah. like a blob. It's like, it's a really kind of graphic scene. I'm not sure Soupy Sales would be down with that. Yeah. So well, I like get hit with a pie and then I melt. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the deal. Super Sales had a kid show like the 50s, 60s, and one of his shticks was he got hit with a with a pie, uh, and I, that's just what they were going for. The producers, like the studio, didn't want a pony up to fly him anywhere, <laughs> which is the only reason they didn't get Super Sales because oh. they were on such a tight budget. So they just went with this. Uh, but also, nobody else would know who Super Sales was. Yeah. So, yeah. So. The thing, the thing that I got, I want to just kind of say in general, and this, this is pretty much all I have to say about this movie is, is that it's actually really well made for what it is. They understand cinematography, they understand cinematic language. The script is pointless, but they they know how to pace it and they know how to keep ratcheting up the crazy. Right. So you start out, and the first thing you get is a way better theme song. Yes. First of all, it has a theme song. You get a way better one than you should ever expect because it's by the Dickies. Yeah. 
and they they wrote that thing having never read the script. The guys just yeah. got pitched the 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 to do the song by the producers or the makers, the Kyoto Brothers. Uh, and they gave him just the basic concept, and they loved it. So they went off and wrote a song, not having ever seen the movie. You so, don't yeah. need to see yeah, the well, movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to. I mean, it's all right there in the title. Yeah. You know, so it starts out kind of slow with the bumpkin and all that stuff, and then the first matte painting shows up. I'm like, wow, they made matte paintings for this. Okay. And then where they really got my attention is there's a scene where they are protagonists are running away and to track them down one of the clowns blows up a balloon and ties a balloon animal dog and now this balloon animal dog is a bloodhound that's going to find them and chase them down and i'm like okay these guys got ideas (laughs) they did some crazy shit and then yeah and then we get the puppet date rape and death ray and then we get like a killer shadow puppet scene yeah like these guys had ideas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they 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 played silly, around with a lot. silly ideas. So you know, I mean, it's like you say, it's just a bunch of ideas strung together very loosely. But that to me is its charm because it's obviously based on things like the Blob and those fifties B sci-fi horror, whatever. And so yeah. it follows all of the beats. I mean, it's made in like eighty seven, eighty eight, and the whole thing starts with a bunch of college kids up at makeout point it's like in what universe in 1987 is that fucking happening it's like come on so it's <laughs> you know immediately you know that they're they're doing a throwback thing and that was really big at that point in time uh for whatever reason because you had like canon was doing the invaders from mars remake i think the same year that this came out you had the blob remake uh but you also had stuff like the hellraiser Sequel, Poltergeist, Friday the 13th, uh, Monkey Shines, well, Critters. I mean, it's just all that stuff. This is also taking some cues from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in the years before, right? Like, in terms of just the sort of fantastical setup death scene thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It, but I like that instead of, like, one clown doing all the killing, you've got, like, a hundred clowns doing various killings. Right. And the, I guess the producers are like, there's not enough clown killing, so we need some more of that shit. Which is why you get the ding-dong at the door delivering pizzas or giving candy and then zapping people right. with the cotton candy. It's like, this doesn't make a lick of sense in the grand scheme of things, but it's because the producer said, we want more clowns in this thing. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? But just the fact that it's propelled by just the most asinine dialogue ever. I mean, it just, like... A- <laughs> nobody's stores cotton candy like this. It's like, well, no shit. It's like, what the fuck do you think is going on? I <laughs> just, you know. I don't think anybody... Oh. Yeah, okay. It's it's uh. a Roger Corman film with a budget. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure Roger Corman watches films like these and goes, nope, nope, nope. Could have done yeah, this too for much. like 50 Too much. Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah. Too much. I mean, he like, made Fantastic this, Four for a million, like- so... More more budget than the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film. Yeah. The same year as this, uh, uh, Roger Corman actually like like did his highest costing production, Carnosaur, and Ooh. and was complaining about oh, this is too <laughs> fucking stupid expensive. Wait wait, was it this year? Maybe it was a year or two later. It was like two. I think Carnosaur came out a few years after. Yeah yeah, but yeah, it, it's like even that was too expensive for him. Yeah. Well, this one, like I said, the. They produced it for just under $2 million, but all the money went to things like production costs for locations and things, and they just really, really streamlined the costumes 
and the effects and the sets and the whole rigmarole because it's just there's no way that I think you could make a movie like this today for that kind of money and have it look decent because first of all you get the CGI shit would just look would look horrible it would look like cheap CGI mm. so I think they got that going for them which is nice uh, <laughs> but yeah it's just just a crazy ass concept but the fact that they did it as a comedy uh, quote unquote uh, I think works in its favor because at that point you're like eh, well you're, if you're in on the joke you're gonna like it and if you're not in on the joke well then uh, move along nothing here to see that's literally, <laughs> literally the, the deal uh, most people don't ask for refunds yeah <laughs> but it's but it's just can that be like the new the new uh slogan for this podcast yeah. <laughs> really well our, the slogan for this podcast is what do you want for nothing <laughs> uh well there you go a refund yeah oh yeah. sorry but the the thing that is funny to me about this movie uh is the fact that it obviously didn't do any money when it came out but it over time, thanks to things like video, which I think we're fortunate enough to have grown up in that era where things could find an audience, uh, it has developed into this weird subculture movie that is just huge. I mean, it's astonishing that you can look because there's like toy lines that have all of the, the clowns and whatnot. Uh, I think Universal Studios last year even featured a killer clowns from outer space deal on like their scare zone for Halloween and it literally like you just walk through like a haunted house maze thing but it's literally just set up to be the various scenes from killer somebody must from outer space the, somebody must own the rights and is pushing to like milk cash out of it well i think the the guys that made it the kyoto brothers have been trying to get a sequel done for ever uh yeah, and they're it, still trying yeah and it keeps falling apart uh and then I think they at one point they were going to do like a TV series based on it. And then at other times it was going to be developed into like a trilogy, uh, sort of a, a reboot, re-sequel, whatever. Like, I could see Hanna-Barbera it doing it. it. Yeah. Like as a Saturday morning cartoon. Clowny! <laughs> yeah. Clowny's going to help us. It's like five <laughs> wacky clowns and like their teen sidekick and her dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're in a rock band and they're on tour. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Uh but I guess like the proposed sequel is called Return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 3D. Uh Sure. And then I think I read an interview too with Grant Kramer. Uh they were in talks to bring him back at some point and I guess and his his description of what they were looking to do actually sounded pretty fucking awesome because it's like takes place 30 years after the events of the first killer clowns. And they're like this weird, uh, cabal of people that know what happened and are preparing for the next invasion. And they're all insane. And he plays Dave tobacco only 30 years later. And he's a drunk and nobody believes him, but he's got this little army of people that he's trained to fight these killer clowns from outer space. And it just sounded so ridiculous. And so that's sort of where they were, they were going. Like I'm watching it going. Yeah. I, if I did a sequel did full on do aliens, like this time we're going to go back to their home planet to wipe them out. All of them. And then you could do like the home planet killer clowns. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
the clown queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they also had the clown queen with that clownzilla thing at the end. Well, yeah, that's true. The giant marionette. But this is the thing that really gets me. It's like, so every one of these movies, the the big bad's got to have his secret weakness, uh, how you can defeat them. And this one, it literally is just you pop their fucking red nose and they explode. I mean, that's like, (laughs) so how is it nobody's bothered to even do this prior to them figuring this out and just start exploding? They got zapped with a death ray at 20 feet away. Like, they didn't get anywhere near the nose. Yeah. But, you know, logic is not really the strong suit on this thing. Like, the girl no, in the, girl no. in the middle uh, takes, like, the longest shower in cinematic history. Like, the, right? the dude and the boyfriend, the cop and the boyfriend drop her off because no woman is safe enough to go looking for things in the woods, I guess. And she takes this shower, but it's a PG-13, so there's nothing sexy about it. And then they cut away, and they literally don't go back to her for, like, 15 minutes. Does that bother right. you? Did that bother anybody else? It oh, yeah. did. I was, I was like, <laughs> that, was that just there for no reason? Are we not coming back to yeah. it? What? Huh? I wonder you if know. they did it on purpose and said, <clears throat> for people who are like, what about, what's with that shower scene? Let me get this straight. In the movie with the clowns that are from outer space and turning people into <laughs> cotton candy blood <laughs> Capri Suns, you have a problem with the length of that shower. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it wastes water, man. That's I not healthy. I have a problem with the length of the shower. I had a problem with after the shower, she put street clothes back on, <laughs> like a yeah. sweater and, and jeans those, and stuff. And those really fabulous like, snakeskin boots with the jeans yeah. tucked in. That Nothing going to age you. Or you could just go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I like that. Yeah, there's like the little popcorn kernels creeping on the floor. I thought that was fun. And then it turns out that, you know, they're turning into these little uh, baby clowns. That literally look like the something from Beetlejuice, like when the pops out of the Jack yes. in the Box. Yeah, I mean it's like repurposed from that. It's like the the snake banister yeah. that Beetlejuice said. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. So they yeah they do a lot of stuff that seems very Tim Burton esque, and maybe it's because they worked on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I don't know, uh, but geez, yeah. I mean, this was a contemporary of Beetlejuice. I wonder if I wonder if they contributed to Beetlejuice. They probably did the snake. Maybe Beetlejuice. Who knows. What do you bet? <laughs> Nothing. That's what I bet. Uh, but yeah, the thing, astonishingly, it's got like a 75% rating on Tomato Meter, on Rotten Tomatoes. I think the audience score is like 59%. So it's it's okay. But uh, yeah, I sit down and I watch it. And I'm like, this is way better than it has any right to be at all. I, like The whole thing could just be a giant train wreck from start to finish. And yet it's not. And that just astonishes me every time I watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's it, it it's like that that guy who proceeds week after week on uh, American Idol and doesn't go away. It's like, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, he's like the crowd favorite. Here. Yeah. yeah, like if you did this one head to head. Oh, let's say, uh, uh, what else came out that year? Let's say Dead Ringers. Like, put this up against Dead Ringers. Which one are you gonna pick? It it knows what it is. I think is is what uh, they like to say, right? That's the yeah. the critical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's what works in its favor is when they did it, they played it all straight. They did not like shoot it like it was a yuck yuck in your face movie about killer clowns from outer space. They played it like it was a serious B movie 
thing from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And that comes across when you watch it. Because if they'd have gone even a hint into over-the-top territory where everybody's like, I know I'm in a shit-ass movie and I'm going to play it like that. I don't think it would have worked. It would have just yeah. fallen flat on that, its face. That would have been Return of the Killer Tomatoes yes. starring George Clooney. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a fine line between clever and stupid, if I may borrow Spinal Tap's line. Uh, and this one treads it very closely. Uh, I think but- we've got a show title in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what this is. So, it, yeah. It, it teeters right up to the edge of just, oh, fuck you, and never quite go over the edge for me. Uh, whereas when we went and saw Not of This Earth that same year, it's, I remember being in the theater just going, oh, fuck you, come on. You know, it's like every five minutes going, this is just, I've wasted $4 on this or whatever the ticket was. It was just- so it passed the oh, fuck you test. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Okay. Uh I'm out of ideas on this. Are you? <laughs> what else do we got to say about this movie? Uh, yeah. I just I thank it for being the the thing that introduced me to the Dickies, uh, and then really, and then reinforced later when I uh, talked to Eric and he was big into them, uh, and then introduced me to Stuka's Over Disneyland, their big time fun album. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this was literally like one of the first things I heard. I think I heard it on Doctor Demento when it was coming out, and. That was my first Dickies. Well then. All right. So I guess the question I'll ask our audience is, did this podcast pass the oh fuck you test? <laughs> Nobody's if, listening if by did, this time. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast, right? And you can hear all kinds of other episodes or, you know, share it with your friends and see what they think. Does yeah. it ask them if it passes the oh fuck you test or uh, tweet at us. We're at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E, and just say, oh, fuck you, at MagHuge. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook and, and tell us that, or Instagram, or go to our website, um, maghuge.com. You can find all our old shows and show notes there. You can find a, you can even find a link there to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And you can email us, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>